Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. While our podcast is titled The Educated Home Buyer, we also feel like it's equally important to talk to sellers in this market as many of them are having the question, should I cash out and sell my home? With equity at all-time highs, is now the right time to sell? In today's podcast, we're going to address this question in detail to help you become the educated home seller. And if you're a buyer, a first-time buyer looking to enter the market, um, don't tune out because I think this is going to be helpful. Jeb's going to go through a lot of really good detail so that you can understand it's not sunshine and roses on the seller's side. Obviously, they're going to get a big number um, on their sale with the market at all-time highs, but there's a lot for them to have to navigate in this process as well. And the better you understand it, the better you and your professionals, mortgage and real estate professional, can navigate the market and get you into the best offer. So with that, Jeb, why don't you kick us off and start talking about where home values are and what that means for, for the thought of selling. Now, before we dive into that, more importantly, you just nailed the the intro here where normally it takes me like five takes to get through that. So I think we're going to now transition for you starting every episode uh, so that we don't have to go through that re-recording each time. But um, no, uh, you guys are here because, you know, you're the educated home buyer or potentially a seller. And maybe you're both. Maybe you're selling and buying something else and it's just been a while and you're trying to re-educate yourself on the process. Nevertheless, one of the things, the topics that comes up the most, especially in the market that we're in right now, because of equity reaching crazy levels, you know, we, we've talked in other episodes, the average home owner at the moment has $184,000 of tappable equity in their property. So there's a lot of money in the system. In fact, I saw uh, a little, uh, you know, meme or, or, you know, something, a social media post today that uh, the, I think, California homeowners averaged $50,000 plus in equity just in the last year. So the average homeowner gained more than $50,000 in just the last year here in the state of California. Uh, but nevertheless, so the question is, should I sell my property, take that money and sit on the sidelines, you know, waiting for a housing crash? Or should I sell my property, take it and buy something else? Uh, maybe it's it's a move up, maybe it's a move down, depending on your scenario. Or maybe you're like those people migrating out of the state of California wondering, hey, look, do I sell my property in California and do I buy something in another state, right? These are all things that people, a, a lot of homeowners at the moment are considering because of the market that we're in. And now, Josh, you and I talk, peak prices, I mean, are we reaching a top? I mean, it's a difficult question, but it's something that you and I 
you know, on the sidelines are are discussing. I mean, a year ago, you and I weren't having this conversation. But now, because we saw appreciation last year at, say, 20% on average for a lot of major metros out there. And this year alone, we're not even through March yet. And I'm seeing some properties at 20% above the asking price. So let's let's talk a moment before we dive into that about pricing at the moment, just you know, reaching a peak, and then we can kind of got you know guide sellers, potential home buyers through those questions that we talked about, Josh. Yeah, Jeb. Anytime, anything, uh, a stock, a bond, a collectible, your you know, a, a car that you own is reaching an all-time high in value. It's at least a caution signal. You know, you and I don't buy into the crash porn that you see all over YouTube, all over your newsfeed. It's an easy way to get clicks. It's an easy way to get views to talk about crash. Um, first of all, let's define that we've really only ever had one crash in housing in the United States. And for you as a seller or a buyer, uh, a crash nationwide is irrelevant. You only care about what's going to happen in your market. And from that perspective, our focus here on California, where you and I do all of our business, is instructive in that California has been a cyclical real estate market going back to the 70s. Prior to that, the reason why we had never had a downturn in, in nationwide home prices is it basically followed inflation. You had 2 to 3% increases. Well, in the 70s, home prices in California started going up in bigger waves and we've had like three corrections in housing that were anywhere you know from 10 to almost 20 percent down well, in prices you mentioned something there that's important to note you said correction not crash people corrections happen it's a normal thing i mean you know regardless of like josh said whether it's a bond it's a stock or whatever corrections happen that means prices do adjust but that doesn't mean crash and and that's important to note but josh sorry to interrupt i just want to make sure no, not at all. And the, the point being there is uh, a correction is likely at some point, when is the million dollar question? And if Jeb and I could answer that, we wouldn't uh, have to work anymore. We would just be bajillionaires by, uh, by being able to play the market off of that. But what I would say is definitely for buyers and sellers, it pays to be cautious. It pays to pay attention. You know, Jeb and I spoke earlier today and we were talking about a, a conversation on our YouTube live that came up. Someone asked a question in November. Hey, what do you think home prices do next year? And we both were kind of wishful thinking in retrospect. Jeb thought, you know, maybe five to seven percent. I thought, you know, we'd be lucky to have it low single digits. And as Jeb said, we're pushing almost 20 percent. And that goes back to supply and demand. So we have a massive supply demand imbalance. So definitely yellow flag, be aware. We could level out. We could plateau. We could have a correction. There is or, no crash. Or we could both be wrong again and, and the market could appreciate another 20%. Now, I say that cautiously because last year, again, like Josh said, I thought 7% seven, 7 was probably a high number on my side just because we we did such crazy numbers in the year of, of 2021 that I didn't think it was possible to duplicate it. And just when you think, you know, nothing can be duplicated, it happens again, right? I mean, there's that saying, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And and just remove the solvent part because we're not talking about, you know, investing in stocks or, or putting money into the market at the moment in, in this video, but the market can remain irrational, right? And, and that's important to note. So just when you think it can't happen any longer can't happen again just remember things do happen there are events that continue to to push 
things in, in directions that we couldn't foresee for many reasons. Um, we didn't see Ukraine-Russia event coming that pushed rates up, right? We didn't think rates could rise as fast as they did. And then an event comes, raises inflation, puts more fear, instability in the market, and we see that happen. So, but that's a whole different episode. We could go down a deep, you know, dive we, rabbit hole. And, we need I, to do that. We need to do that episode because there's a ton there to unpack and it's important for people to know um, and take the clickbait out of it and actually go through the the actual issues. But with that, Jeb, um, just in terms of of what are what are you going through with sellers right now? Yeah. Someone tells you, hey, they don't call and say, hey, I want to list my house tomorrow. I say, hey, Jeb, I'm thinking about selling. Where are you starting with them? Well, I think you've got to ask the, the, the right questions. I mean, you know, you and I say this all the time. Somebody says, should I sell? Sell and do what? It's important more than ever at the moment to have a plan. And for somebody that's not a planner, myself, um, who I'm talking about here, it's important to have a plan in this market for many, many reasons. Now, um, I shoot from from the hip in a lot of things I do, but at the moment, I think you've got to, think about the future and not just the future two years out. I'm talking future five, seven, 10 years from now because of where home prices have gone, because of what the market's doing, because we do need a correction, but things to think about. So if you're thinking of selling your house, before we get into the the, the idea of you know waiting for a crash or, or reinvesting another real estate or out of state, there's some things you have to consider. For one, do you, you know, do you have capital gains? on on the sell of your property. Now, the, the, there is a uh, an exemption if you're a single individual, um, you know, and you've lived in that property as your primary home for two of the last five years, you get up to $250,000 of tax-free gains on that property. So if you bought a property, hypothetically speaking, $500,000, it's now worth 750, you know, you sell it for 750, You've essentially, you, you've got that $250,000 gain that you've acquired in that property. That money isn't taxable, right? You can take that money and do whatever you want to, whether you can put it in another house, you can go to Vegas and put it on black, whatever you want to do, that is your money. But, you know, and, and then let, let's also touch on if you're a married couple, if you're married, you have $500,000 of, of tax-free gains. So, you know, in, in the case of, let's say 500000 again, now your house is, say, a million bucks. Okay, there's no tax taxable equity gained on that property. Um, but in the case that many people have at the moment, you know, yourself, Josh, I mean, we've had this conversation, you know, you bought your property at a low value, and we're just gonna again keep the same numbers here, 500000 Now let's say the property's worth one five in this example, and you're married, you've got five hundred thousand dollars in in tax-free gains on that property, but there's an additional five hundred thousand dollars that may or may not have some tax consequences based on you know, other things you've done to the property, improvements and what have you. And I don't wanna get into all of that because it could make a really long episode, but the, what I'm trying to get you to think of as a seller is, you know, are there going to be taxes paid when you sell your property? Because a lot of people have a misbelief that, hey, look, I'm gonna sell my property for a lot of money, say in this case, a million five, I bought it for 500,000, I'm gonna take that full million and I'm going to go buy a property cash and I'm not going to have a mortgage. Yes, you can do that, but you're probably going to have some tax consequences that you're not thinking about up front. And again, there's another misbelief that if you take all of the money that you've gained on a property as your primary home and you put it into another primary home, there's no there's no 
um, tax consequences. That's incorrect. The only time you can avoid tax consequences when taking money from the sale of a property and putting it into another is when you sell an investment property and you take that gain, if you will, and roll it over into another like investment property, at which point that's a 1031 tax exchange. And in that case, you're just delaying the taxes. You're not, you know, getting rid of the tax consequences. You're just delaying when you'll be taxed on those properties. And so I I have this conversation. I mean, I, I have it all the time. People say, well, you know, I'm just going to take all of the money and I'm going to put it into the next one. And therefore I'm not going to have any taxes. No, no, no. It's important to know that you could have taxes. And so if you're thinking of selling, that's one of the very first things that you should think about because you may not have the the full amount of cash that you think you have in order to buy a property. Now, Jeff, Josh, this this, yeah. this impacts more people than you would think. Like, I bought my home 19 years ago, so you go, okay, yeah, obviously, 19 years, it, it, it has increased more than 500,000 in value. I was looking at a listing that popped up there, and like, oh, that's a cool property listed for a million three that people bought in 2016 for like 650. So they're looking at the same, even a married couple, they've got $150,000, $200,000 of taxable gain there. So the market has appreciated so rapidly, especially if you bought well in the time frame from 2010 to 2015, when the market was still down, a lot of people can get hit by this. And it may be a California specific thing where our home prices are significantly higher. $500,000 goes much further in the Midwest and the South. Um, but if you're in a high cost area, it's not hard to get on the wrong side of the the capital gains. Jeb, from there, I kind of like to transition because where that leads us, what are we talking about? If you're gonna sell and you're gonna buy another home, the capital gains is important in terms of how much money do you have to be able to put into the next property. So I always tell people on the mortgage side, if I have a seller that's wanting to get approved for their purchase, it's important that we do it before you even list your property because I want you to have all of those numbers of knowing um, what it's it's going to look like. And one of the things that I always start with, Jeb, is have you talked to your agent that's going to list the property and do you have an estimated net sheet? In the current market, it's really difficult for you to know what that property is going to end up selling for. Um, you know, you had one last week that went 250 over list price, unexpected. So it's very hard to accurately give a seller a net. But that's really where we need to start with. And for a seller looking to buy, you have way more options. You might want to take some and put it into an investment account. You might want to pay some other debt off. So for me, in terms of this move, if you think you're going to need to finance the next property, the pre-approval is almost more important or at least equally important as that first time buyer. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it is it, the amount of money you're receiving from the property is probably the most, it's the foundation for what you're going to do next in many ways. I mean, because if you're buying, you know, uh, an investment property or you're buying a, a, a second home or you're buying, you know, whatever it is, I mean, that, that amount of money is going to dictate what you can do, how much you can purchase. And, and that's going to take me into one of the things that I, I want to talk about next is if you're considering selling, and 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 you're and you're going to rent or you're going to um, buy a property, whether it's in state or out of state. What I'd like you to do is start looking at the market to see if there is something out there that matches what it is you're looking for. Now you say, "Well, that's silly, Jeb. There's properties everywhere. I can find something easily." Okay, can you? And is it more affordable? Because a lot of people right now think, "Well, the market's at a high." So I'm just going to sell at a high and I'm going to go rent something less expensive or I might buy something less expensive. But 
what we've seen, Josh, over the last couple of weeks, I mean, take home prices out of it because they've been rising since 2011, but more significantly in the last year and a half. But interest rates have gone up considerably. I mean, 2% in the last, you know, 12 weeks or something, rates are up. So it is more expensive now to finance that property that is likely more expensive than it would have been just a couple of weeks ago. So if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to sell and I'm going to go buy something. Okay, that's fair. And, and that's okay. I mean, depending on where you are in your life, nothing wrong with that equation, but just make sure you're looking at the market and seeing what is out there before you put your home on, on the market and, and accept an offer. And the reason I say this is because it happens. I mean, I've had clients put their home on the market, go into escrow and go, holy shit, I can't find anything to buy. Can I get out of this? And the answer is no, it's very difficult to get out of a uh, a, a contract as a seller, especially in the state of California. So you need to be looking at the market going, okay, are there properties out there that match what I'm looking for? Whether you're buying in state or out of state. And if you're planning on renting, can you find something suitable to rent? I mean, hell, me and my wife a couple years back thought, you know, we wanted to buy something else. We were thinking of selling our property at that time, not because of any, any factors in the market, just because we needed to, to make that transition. We thought, hey, why don't we just potentially sell it and go rent something for a little bit while we look for the, the right property. So we're not contingent or what have you on the sale of our property. And honestly, there was just nothing out there for one. And that was, you know, some time ago. And secondly, it was going to be way more expensive to rent a, a shithole, quite frankly, than it would be to um, just stay put and, and deal with the market and, and, and the living situation that we're in with three boys in, in less than 2000 square feet. So you, you got to factor all these things in before you get to sign that paper saying, Hey, I'm going to list my house for sale. Jeb, for the, for the home buyers who have stuck around to listen to this, you may be starting to see why there's not as home as many homes out there to pick from as you would like, because it's not easy for a seller. When you're trying to go through all of these issues and navigate them, a lot of sellers are just like, yeah, my home's pretty good. I'm going to stay here. You know, Jeb, your home is not ideal. You, there, you have a long list of things that more room for the kids, different things that you would like in a home. But when you weigh it all out, the additional cost, the inconvenience, the headaches, the expenses, the capital gains tax you go hey you know what our house isn't bad no and i'm at the point now where if we did buy something else i would keep that property so that property never comes to the market you know and so that's another you got all of these factors playing into why there's a low supply of homes out there and it's i mean these conversations that we're having right now on this podcast are why home buyers are 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 going to find it difficult for some period of time to find the right property i mean it's going there's very little chance that supply is going to increase dramatically anytime soon, regardless of, of any of the factors that, that have to do with buyer demand and interest rates and what have you, just because there's a lot of people very comfortable with their mortgage payment, um, even if it's not the ideal property for you know many reasons. So we've talked about capital gains. We've talked about looking at the market and figuring out, hey, is there something out there that that I want to to buy. Okay. Yes, there is capital gains. I'm good. Even if I have to pay taxes, I understand that. So what does that process look like as a seller? Right? I mean, there's, there's a couple of questions that, that you can ask yourself here um, with regards to putting your home on the market. The first thing I want, I want to talk about is selling and buying something else, because that is, you know, the, the, the big question at the moment is many people want to buy something else. 
their sellers, they look at the market and go, okay, there are properties out there that match what I'm looking for, but I'm not in a position to buy them without selling my home. Therefore, I'm a contingent seller. Can you be a contingent seller in this market? And the answer is yes, you can be. Absolutely. It's probably more accepted now than it's been in my career just because there's so many buyers out there looking for the right home. So if your home is the right home for that buyer, those buyers are willing to accept things now that they weren't willing to accept six months, a year ago, just because of the lack of inventory. Many buyers are emotionally uh, just tired, exhausted from the process and are ready to say, you know what? If I can just get under contract and find that house, even if it's a couple of months out from closing and I can stop this, you know, the insanity of looking for homes, I'll, I'm willing to, to accept that. And so selling contingent is an option. Um, selling, renting, that is a whole different equation and that that's going to take us down a different um little leg here Josh so anything you want to add to that one before we we kind of go down this this next path because i think the next one's probably the most important and, and and something that a lot of people are considering no not not a lot to add there you're right that that buyers are are pretty flexible here anything it takes to get the property under contract that they like um now if you're contingent you know you hit on it it's hard to get the seller uh on the property that you as a seller are con your, your sale is contingent because you're not quite as far into it um your mortgage guy the mortgage guy for your buyer can help with that in terms of getting a full loan approval very early in the process and arming you with it um but again just more details no, and another thing to note, like like Josh mentioned, I mean, you know, contingencies aren't as easy as I'm just laying it out here. I, I want to be clear. I mean, each one of these little things that we're talking about here, we could honestly do a 30 minute podcast on by itself. And so we're just trying to kind of do a flyover of each one of these to make sure you're considering them. And then if you, you know, are, you know, again, cognizant of all of this stuff, you can make better decisions, informed decisions, and have these conversations with your real estate agent when you're thinking about the process, right? It's it, unfortunately not all real estate agents are having these conversations with a seller. A seller says, hey, I want to sell my house. And the first thing they say is, okay, let's let's get it going. I mean, I had a, a seller, honestly, a mutual client, Josh, contacted me a couple of weeks ago, says, Jeb, I want to sell my house. Okay. And do what? Well, I want to buy something else. Okay. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at what that looks like. You're going to sell at this price. You think in your head that it's it's going to be very easy to go out and find something else. I could have listed his house that day. Instead, after he had that conversation with Josh's team about getting pre-approved, looking at what the market you know, um, was out there in the market in his price range, guess what? I haven't heard back from him with regards to selling his house. It was the right call. It was the right decision for me to have that conversation up front, but not everyone is having that conversation. So this is to inform you, to guide you so that you have this information when talking to an agent and making that decision. But second thing, selling. Selling and maybe you're indecisive of what you want to do. Maybe you're thinking of selling and renting, or maybe you're thinking of selling and holding off and waiting for prices to go down because you feel like we're at a top and prices are going to crash. Now, if you guys have heard myself or Josh talk before, I have clients that have been waiting since 2019 when they thought that we had reached a peak in prices. They've left, I don't know, 30 plus percent on the table from selling their property back then. Meanwhile, they've been renting, paying someone else's mortgage. And yet they're, they're probably at this point priced out of the market because of where home prices have gone, just, you know, and in, in how insane things are. So if you're going to sell and 
and sit tight and rent and hold that cash, that's okay. It's There's nothing wrong with doing that. But just understand that the market might not do what you think it's going to do. It might not pull back later this year. It might still be difficult to, to go and, and, you know, and, and find the right property, whether you're renting or, or what have you, it's, you've got to start thinking about that process. Now I see too many people and have conversations at the moment that people are, their house is already on the market. They're already in escrow and they've yet to find out exactly what it is they're going to do on renting and, and, you know, are they doing a short-term rental? Are they doing a long-term rental? What is it I'm going to do in order to find the right house? And at the same time, a moment ago, we didn't touch on this, but if you're selling your property and you're doing a rent back, right? You, you say, hey, well, listen, you know, we got the buyer. We're just going to sell it. We're not going to do it contingent. It's a, an outright sell, but we've got the seller to give us a 60-day rent back. We should be able to find something in 60 days. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's another thing that you have to consider as well as I have clients, Josh, I mean, how long have, uh, I don't want to say names on here, Long Beach, how long have they been looking for property? Six months, seven months. Easily, right? And, and and still in the same position. So these are things that I want you to consider is that, you know, the market, again, may stay irrational longer than you think. So if you're one of those people sitting on the sidelines hoping, because it really it is, it's hoping that prices are going to pull back and that you're going to be able to buy something less expensive. What if that doesn't happen? What if home prices just level off, but interest rates go up a little bit more? I mean, not that we're predicting that, but hell, we haven't predicted, you know, the last couple of moves here um, correctly over the last couple of weeks just because of how insane the market is. So you just, you, these are things you you have to consider um, when when putting that home on the market. But Josh, I want to throw it your way a little bit here and and just talk about the idea of, you know, that that waiting what what is the cost of waiting now again we could do an episode alone on that but let's the cost of selling your house and waiting to see what the market does and, and again it depends on the, the price point that you're at um you know i ran some numbers for a, a first-time buyer the other day and they were super back of the napkin number so i'm not saying these were a dead-on accurate but with the uh, in the five to six hundred thousand dollar price range you're putting uh, about a thousand dollars a month towards principal. So we ran the numbers and it was going to be about $800 more a month to own than it was to rent. So you look at that and you're like, okay, well, but we have about a thousand dollars going towards principal. So we flashed forward five years. We took the crazy current appreciation off the table and said, what if home prices and rents went up 3% a year for the next five years? And with demographics and lack of supply, um, I would I would think it's going to be more than that, but let's say it was three. In that situation of them buying in that five to six hundred price range, property was going to go up about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in that five years. Um, they were going to pay it down another what a grand a month, so twelve another fifty sixty thousand. They ended up about one hundred sixty hundred seventy thousand dollars of additional equity, and by the end of the five years with three percent rent increases. The rent was more than what they were paying in the home. So that cost of waiting, take away all the emotional things that for the vast majority of adult Americans, they would prefer to own versus rent, um, have a home base nest for your kids and your wife and all that fun stuff. Um, 
it, just financially, it's very, very hard to keep up even with low levels of appreciation. And, you know, you mentioned uh, I've had probably 20 different people through 26 years of doing this decide, hey, we're going to sell and then we're going to buy in when when this thing drops because it's going to be much lower. And like we said, in California, about every seven to 10 years, we've had these dips. So we're going on 15 years now since we've had a dip in, in home prices in California. So it's certainly possible. What I can say is I don't have a single one of those clients that had a success story of timing their sale right that they ended up buying in at a lower point. We've had a bunch of them where the market ran even further and then corrected and they bought back in at a similar level. But most of those folks end up losing uh, money. So it's not to say that that's a, a wrong thought, wrong answer. You got to do what's right and feels correct to you. Um, it's just sellers have a lot of tough decisions to make in, in the current market. And even if you say you're going to go rent, you know, Jeb, I bought and rehabbed a property last year. It was a bitchin' house when it was done. We get a nice rent for it. We had 15, 17 applications to rent that. You had a property in Garden Grove that, that wasn't rehabbed like that. Didn't you have 50 or 60 applications to rent it? So even selling to go rent, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the property that you love. No, and that, and again, and that's going to take me back to something I didn't mention earlier that I think is very important. If you're invest, an investor and you're considering selling your home, and, and the reason they brought this up is we we're talking about rentals here. It, it, if you're selling your property and you're trying to do a 1031 tax exchange, you've got 45 days to identify another property, right? Otherwise, there could be tax consequences and what have you. That's, you know, that's another reason that you're not seeing a lot of property come on the market. Investors are out there looking at the market as well going, hey, listen, if I sell this property, I've got to make quick decisions in order to buy another investment property. And there, there's nothing out there. Therefore, I'm not going to sell. And, and if you are an investor and you haven't considered that, you have to consider it. Otherwise, you might be paying some, some huge taxes uh, a lot earlier than you thought, you know, because you're not able to identify property. But if you've listened to this so far and you're like, yeah, I'm going to sell my house. Well, for one, congratulations. But secondly, you know, let's let, I want to touch on a couple of things real quick here um, to keep this, you know, within our 30 minute window that we like to do. How should you price your home? Right. That's a really common question I'm getting in this market is how should I price my home? Should I shoot for the moon because prices people are overpaying for property? Should I price it really, really low to attract a lot of offers or should I price it at fair market value? The right answer is always fair market value, in my opinion. It's neither of the other two. Um, fair market value, if it's priced correctly, will draw multiple offers. It will end up selling for more than the asking price. And you could say, well, why don't we just list it a little bit higher than fair market value and see if it does it anyway? You can play that game. you know. But in my experience, you can't underprice a home in this market. You can't you know, people see the value in the number, they end up offering way more. And then you could go the other way and say, well, why don't we just price it really, really low and just get a lot of offers? Because when you price it really, really low, you know, an offer at fair market value might seem really high to the, the buyer that's offering on the property. You know, whereas, you know, other people might see the value and, and offer a little bit more. But if you start at the right number, typically speaking, most people see the value because they can look up the comps around it and, and make reasonable offers around that. So I think you should price it at fair market value. And there's a lot of other things to consider. Repairs in this market, should you do them? Should you not? You know, should you do staging? Should you not? And honestly, I think we'll probably save it for another episode, Josh, because that's going to take us down a whole different path of selling your property in this market because each market's a little bit different. Some markets, you have to 
um, do things in order to market your properties in order to, you know, really help your property stand out at the moment. This market's not necessarily one of those. While a lot of these things are still important, again, this could be a whole different episode. So I think at the moment, while we're talking of, of selling and cashing out, you know, we're, I think we've we've done a good job in, in helping people consider the things that they need to consider. And those other questions that you have, talk to your your real estate professional, talk to you know an expert, have those conversations. If you need one, there's a link in the description of the podcast that we can connect you with someone who, again, does business the way I do. But I think that's a really good place to to end this. Josh, is there anything you want to add to to the the process or or the idea of of selling and cashing out in this environment? I was basically going to circle back and point out, you know, the conversation you said you had with the client who didn't follow back up about listing their home and say the purpose of this episode of this podcast is not to discourage you from selling. It's to make sure that you're thinking through all of the questions. So if you do go to a realtor that's a little hungry, hasn't had a sale in six months or a year and just says, cool, I'll have the sign in your yard this afternoon that you can educate yourself go through this process and know what are all of the things that I need to think of before plucking that sign or p- punching the sign into your front yard. Yeah. You don't want to punch the sign either. You know, it's uh... well, you definitely don't want to pluck it. You do that after, after the successful sale. Yeah, exactly. Then you could, you could punch it. Hell, if, if you sell it, just punch the sign out of the yard. But uh, no, so hopefully that was helpful. If you're a seller in this market a buyer, hopefully it gives you an idea of what sellers are going through and why you're not seeing you know, uh, a, a ton of property hit the market at once. I mean, there's a lot of things that sellers have to consider. And as home buyers, you should be aware of those again. So it helps you make better, you know, informed decisions. But next week, we're going to dive into interest rates in a little bit more detail. Josh hinted at it earlier. There's a lot of factors at the moment playing into the economy, interest rates, we're going to talk about where we think, you know, they could go. Um, and things that you have to consider if you're out there in the market about locking rates and doing things you know, with volatility at the moment. So tune in next week where we dive into that in more detail. We appreciate you being here. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.